Hello, everyone. Welcome to Screen Scream on Viola. In today's show, I will talk about two classic re-released French movies. And in Top 007 session, as usual, I will introduce two hit movies that are still in the theater. Without further ado, let's listen to the first classic re-release, Breathless. Michel Poycard, an irresponsible sociopath and small-time thief, steals a car and impulsively murders the motorcycle policeman who pursues him. Now wanted by the authorities, he renews his relationship with Patricia Francini, a hip American girl studying journalism at the Sorbonne, whom he had met in Nice a few weeks earlier. Before leaving Paris, he plans to collect a debt from an underworld acquaintance and expects her to accompany him on his planned getaway to Italy. Even with his faith in the local papers and media, Poycard seems oblivious to the dragnet that is slowly closing around him as he recklessly pursues his love of American movies and libidinous interest in the beautiful American. Wow, there were a lot of big words in the introduction. Well, at least they are big words for me. It sounds very literal and poetic. As mentioned in the beginning of the show, both new movies today are classic re-release, and the first one is Breathless from 1960. It really is a very old movie. Not even my parents were born. The movie was made by Jean-Luc Godard, a French New Wave director. Actually, I'm not familiar with the French New Wave myself, but if you're interested in movies, you've definitely heard about this term. We often hear the term New Wave, and it appears in many different places in the world. You may wonder what exactly is a New Wave, and it's actually an update of the aesthetics of movies. People think New Wave appears because of production budget or Technical difficulties, but actually, it's the opposite. Usually, it's because of the combination of ideas and practical executions, and it proves the possible potential of creativity. So, I guess you can say this movie, Breathless, is the opening of Godard movie revolution. He created a movie that came from Hollywood, but at the same time. Turned over Hollywood. Many scenes in the movie were incredible at the time, such as characters murmuring to themselves, or look into the camera, or even jump cut was unbelievable at the time. Even director Hou Xiaoxian said that when he first watched Breathless, he realized a lot of things that he didn't understand before. And I guess that's the reason why Godard won Best Director at Berlin Film Festival with Breathless. As you heard in the introduction, the story of Breathless is very simple. It's simpler than crime stories in Hollywood, and it became a classic even with Godard's limited budget. And it's all because he has this revolutionary creativity. All in all, the biggest contribution of Breathless is not about definition; it's about to release and to inspire. And I hope you will all like the French New Wave after watching this movie. Now let's move on to the second classic re-release, 
which actually inspired Breathless. I, a Negro. It depicts young Nigerian immigrants who left their country to find work in the Ivory Coast, in the capital. These immigrants live in squalor, envious of the bordering quarters of the plateau. The film traces a week in these immigrants' lives, blurring the line between their characters' routines and their own. Every morning, Tarzan, Eddie Constantine, and Edward G. Robinson seek work in Trechville in hopes of getting the 20 francs that a bowl of soup cost them. They perform manual jobs as dockers carrying sacks and handy labor shipping supplies to Europe. At night, they drink away their sorrows in bars while dreaming about their idealized lives as their movie alter egos. Alternatively, as an FBI agent, a womanizing bachelor, a successful boxer, and even able to stand up to the white colonialists that seduce away their women. These dreamlike sequences are shot in a poetic mode. Each day is introduced by an interstitial voice of God-omniscient narration from Sean Hush, providing a universal thematic distance to the movie's events. The film is bookended by a narration directed at both Petite Jules and the audience from Edward G. Robinson, fondly looking back on his childhood in Niger and concluding that his life is worthy of his dreams. Le film devint alors le miroir où il se découvrait lui-même. L'ancien combattant d'Indochine chassé... Wow, the introduction is so long, so I guess I can only talk about one and a half minutes about this movie. The second classic re-release is I, a Negro. Now, everything has to be politically correct. I think this is the perfect timing for this movie to be re-released. This movie was made by Sean Hoosh. Please bear my French. I don't really speak French, but I did check how to pronounce these directors' names. Sean Hoosh spent nine months to build up trust with his interviewees and his actors and actresses so that they're willing to tell him what they really think about life. And they actually design the characters and create the content of the movie with the director. This is totally different from what people used to make movies before. Director Sean Luguda himself mentioned many times how he admired this movie, I, a Negro. And we can even see some traits influenced by Sean Hoosh in Breathless. I haven't seen the movie, but from the introduction I read, the part that attracts me the most is the fact that they actually have different day life and night life. And their night lives are the idealization of their alter ego in the movie, which I think is very interesting. Sean Hooch's style, such as jump cuts, using non-professional actors, and non-linear recording are all very influential. Nowadays, we may not think non-linear recording or shooting is something significant. But back then, it's really something because at the time, people still used films or tapes. So there's no way for you to, oh, I just deleted or I just uh, copy paste. No way. You have to actually cut it out and then paste what's the next to the previous spot. That's really troublesome and it requires a lot of technical skills. 
and that's exactly the reason why the two movies I introduced today has enormous influence on the French New Wave. And I think I'm done with history. Oh, it's so difficult to prepare for some historical part. It's time to come back to modern world. Before we get into top seven to top four, let's review what we had from last week first. We had Dune and The Adams Family 2 as top three. Top two, there are two movies, No Time to Die and Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And top one was Shang-Chi and The Legend of Ten Rings. How about this week's top seven to top four? Let's check it out. Top five, Free Guy. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. The Last Duel. Shock Legree entered our home. He attacked me. The accusation is false. Top 4. There are only three movies on the chart of top 7 to top 4 this week and I do want to talk about The Last Duel once again. First of all, I haven't finished writing the review because I've been busy writing my thesis but I think I will finish this week. Don't worry. And I do have something interesting to talk about because I just read a post from a friend. She said that if Adam Driver is to be the new protagonist of Dune in the second part, she will love it. And I was like, no way, because I don't find Adam Driver charming. I replied it and said what I thought. And a friend of my friend replied, she's a fan of Adam Driver, but she also doesn't think Adam Driver is attractive. And the funny thing is that we both find it funny when we went to watch The Last Duel and the characters in the movie kept saying Adam Driver's character is handsome. Yes, they said handsome. It's not just charming, not attractive, they say handsome. I was like, no, he's far away from handsome. He's not handsome at all. But anyway, that's the last duel. And you see, when it comes to sexual assault, it's still not okay, even if the victim thinks you are handsome. Netizens have a saying about sexual assault cases. They say, oh, if the person is handsome, then everything's fine. If the person's ugly, then sue him. That's not the case. That's exactly the point what the last duel wants to tell us. If a woman says no, she says no. And I hope everyone knows this, whether you've seen the last duel or not. Wow, this sounds so serious. This episode sounds so serious. But let's move on to the last part and I promise you it's going to be funny. Top 3, Jun. Duncan, can I trust you with something? Yes, always, you know that. The Adams Family 2. Why does nobody come in through the front door? Dearest mother and father. Top 2, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings. I told my men. Top 1, No Time to Die. Where's 007? Venom. Let there be carnage. Good evening, Eddie. Hey, Mrs. Chen. 
Good evening, Venom. Wow, so Shangqi and the Legend of Ten Rings actually dropped from top one to top two, and we have two movies for top one this week. That's pretty cool. And we talked about No Time to Die last week. So today I want to talk about Venom: Let There Be Carnage. If you're familiar with the Spider-Man story, you will know that Eddie and Venom are actually combat partners that live with each other. I think it's called symbiosis. I'm not sure if I'm 100% correct, but that means they live with each other, and either of them dies, the other dies. You can tell their situation from the trailer. So you can see Eddie gets up from bed, and Venom will cook breakfast for him, but he's actually making a mess. And Eddie can do anything with it because they live together. Basically, they are one. So you might think Venom Two is a comedy if you only watch the trailer. Well, from the trailer, you only know that Eddie lives with a crazy kid, but this also helps them. Develop very funny and very interesting friendship. It's just like when you look into the mirror, there's a chaotic and strange reflection of yourself, and they even set up rules for each other so that they can live with each other more happily. But it's not a family comedy, so of course there's going to be a villain. And the villain this episode is the Carnage, the Spider. The situation with Carnage is actually similar, or should I say the same as Eddie and Venom? But while Eddie and Venom live happily ever after, Kratos turns into Carnage. He's not only impeccable, but also has. These tentacles that are bloody red and sticky that he can use to destroy his enemies, kind of like his secret weapon. Just because all these creatures that live with you reflect how you're like. Kratos is smart and humorous, so Carnage has this weird humor. Yes, Carnage is weird, but at the same time, Carnage is smart and dark. It's all from his owner. Can I say no? It should be host. His host. So you can tell without Eddie's cuteness, you wouldn't see Venom so funny, and that just makes Venom too more enjoyable. That's all the time we have for today. I hope you enjoy the show, and I will try my best to continue the show even though I'm writing the thesis. I'm Viola. See you next week.